I'm real pissed that I've watched Zero Dark Thirty. Like, it's been a couple of days now, and I'm still real pissed. And I watched it, and I got far enough into it that I couldn't justify giving up before I got the whole thing consumed, just because I was hate-watching it at that point. And I was just, ugh, I was so pissed. Like, could have maybe redeemed some of well, this yeah. shit. Well, hold up. Are we, are we reviewing Zero Dark Thirty? Is that I the really f***ing hate it. Well, I just, I need to get this <laughs> out, and we don't have to record it. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're not. Oh, no, oh, no we're recording. Jesus Christ. <laughs> just to be clear was so dark that you could not see anything on the screen. So for 30 minutes, you're just watching a black screen where occasionally a shape might appear. That whole movie is a train wreck. I don't understand why the reviews are so good, except that it just must be raw America go world police. It's such a terrible <laughs> movie. Ugh. I saw it for free and I want my money back. Oof, that might be my well, least favorite movie of all time. Did you? I can't. Did you get your review out? Did I cannot think of another one that I hate more. Yeah, no, I feel a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today's Thursday, July 14th, 2022. We're your hosts, Anapont, Zach Mayer, and Raul Torres. Say hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen. Correct. And this, dear listener, is Quest 272. What have you not seen that I can review? Question mark? It rhymed. I was, I was proud of that. I was proud of that. I put that on the spot. Wait, that, that rhymed? Quest 272. What have we... What have you not seen that we can review? To review? Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Shut up. The joke is less funny when you have to explain it, unless that's the gag. In this case, it is not the gag, <laughs> thus it is less funny. This is the part where you laugh. Laugh track. See, see I can make Simpsons references, too. <laughs> or Mortal Kombat, this is the part where you fall down. <laughs> and on that note, we'll review the 1992, what year was that movie? Classic, Wes Anderson's. Wes Anderson's <laughs> Mortal Kombat? Now, that, that would be a movie I would see. <laughs> There was, there was a parody a while back of, like, if Wes Anderson did a horror uh, movie, but honestly, if Wes Anderson did a Mortal Kombat movie, I think I'd be way more excited about that. Dude, you and me both. That'd be, that'd be amazing. His, his doll, his uh, dollhouse aesthetic with the different stages that break apart. Oh my god, just think, imagine the filmmaking. Imagine they took his aesthetic and just made it literal. <laughs> That's the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, by the way, everyone's recording, right? Like, I started this and Zach's not going to tell me, oh shit. No, should I have been? I don't even have a dasty open. I <laughs> look, Zach. Zach's been out of the game. What, is it two or three weeks? I don't even know anymore. Time is hard. At least two. Um, what is today? Seven fourteen. You said it. Like I should know it. All right. I hit the buttons. Oh my god! I'm not redoing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I should. It. It's, it's gonna fine. be harder to edit it together later. It's fine. It's this totally is fine. fine. This but you is like fine. you right. like the challenge of editing, Tom. That's what I've learned. <laughs> yes, yes. So much so that I'll deal with this shit. Oh man, Don't um, fix it in post. Right. All right, dear listener. So even though we have miscellaneous topics queued up in our Slack channel, oh no, no, no. This really, which alignment was that? Unlawful, Cha just neutral. Chaotic, chaotic, chaotic. That's what we are. Just double chaotic, <laughs> just chaotic all the way. Chaos aligned podcast. Uh, apparently, we are once again behind 
on all the modern reviews because this crew can't all go see the fucking same films. So, I think we're going to go around the table. We're going to do our little reviews. Zach, you uh, non-recording micless bastard, you already got to two. <laughs> One of your reviews in the mic check. I don't know. Maybe oh, is that whole here. thing going in the mic check? <laughs> no, apparently Jesus. not. Now that half the podcast is pre-recording and pre-audacity mic check. But you already got to go. So, Ruli, what uh, what would you like to review? Um, which side of the spectrum do we want to go? Family friendly or horror? Pick one. Uh, Ruli, it's Thursday. It's uh, your ch- I I don't know. I have I was gonna try to make a joke there, and I failed. <laughs> I was I was waiting for the setup. I'll just go with the the easy peasy one. Um, I saw the Minions Rise of Gru. Um, I think the most significant part of this movie, which I want to say it's kind of like Morbius. I could have swear that we've seen trailers for this movie for at least three years, maybe more. Um, so it just felt like I, I had to see it because I saw the trailer for it for like every single movie that I saw in the movie theaters since the pandemic, which is maybe like six movies. Um, so, I mean, overall standard DreamWorks thing. It was DreamWorks, right? No, no. Illumination. I always forget. Anyways. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the main reason why I went, I'm not really a fan of the movies, but like, um, we were just trying to take my kids out because they got their vaccination. So we're like, we're going to take them to the movies. Mm. So it was my daughter's first movie. So I think I have rose colored glasses because of that. Um, but it was fun. It's just really silly, really dumb. I still don't understand the minions. I, I, I blame that also because like, I could have swore it. Like, I think maybe we talked about this at some point, but like, I think the minions were like, scientifically engineered to be like four quadrant cute to be like cute to like multiple nationalities and multiple things which is why they're just like this like little peanut thing with overalls that speak like five different languages and i just i don't know it just feels so inauthentic that i'm like whatever i'm just gonna go with you minions and stuff but the, the crew story was funny and interesting so it was good I, let's say wash it if you're let's say your type of thing one q oh oh we were gonna redo the the qq review scale um so is it changing the- Yes, it's changing. What? We're updating with the times. Oh my god. We're goodness. using a review scale I used to do for uh, interviews at work. So uh, screw the, the zero cues, one Q, two Q thing. Um, we're just going to do a number one through four. Okay? So here's the deal one is, I don't like it, and neither, you know, you should not go see it. Like, two is, eh, I didn't like it, but maybe you, maybe you will like it. Three is, I like it, maybe you won't. And four is, I like it, I definitely think you should go see this thing. So, uh, a whole spectrum to play with, rather than all of us just being like, eh, it's in the middle, it's a cue, whatever. <laughs> so, Ruli, okay. you went to see this. Where where are you on the one through four scale? I put it up to three. Um, uh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I, I don't know, like, I'm always weird, too. Like, I have, like, this weird, like, appreciation for, like, the CGI movies, just because they're so much fun and silly and ridiculous. Um, plus, there's a villain called Jean, Jean-Claude. And it's like this dude with a giant claw arm. And damn, I reali- damn, that's a good name. And, and I realized, I think I think it is voiced by Jean-Claude Van Damme. So that was like just that alone is price for admission. So <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, uh, cool. I guess that brings it over to me. So, gentlemen, I'll start with the movie that I had by far the most fun with recently. I went to the theater to see Luc Besson's 1997, I think, sci-fi masterpiece. The fifth fucking element. Oh my god, so good. So oh, good. That's right. They did a new theater run for the... Which anniversary was it? I think it was 25th. What? Right 25 years? That's a lie. 
Yeah, no, did look it up. I don't want to. <laughs> no. That knowledge is cursed, so we're not gonna approach it. Yeah, oh man, what a what a fun what a fun movie. Um just stylistically holds up so well. Uh you know, I think it's styled so well that even when the CG is bad, you don't really notice or care because it's just all about the style that's going on. So honestly, even though, yes, there's, you know, some bad CG shots, it just doesn't matter. It looks great. You're having fun the whole time. The soundtrack kicks ass. The costume design is like off the hook and all the actors and actresses are, are bringing their A game to the film. It's still probably Mila Jovovich's best movie and it's like her premiere movie. Uh, this is back when Bruce Willis actually gave a shit and he kept emoting. <laughs> Asterisk, like, I feel bad. The guy has um, some form of dementia or aphasia. I can't remember which. So I, I feel bad about that. But, like, I don't feel that man's been really working and acting and caring since, like, the 2000s. So, or since the 90s, since the 2000s. So, like, he was just, he's fucking great in this movie. Chris Tucker, of course, is iconic hilarious. Ian Holm is great as the priest. And I'm giving the MVP to the always awesome Gary fucking Oldman. He is so amazingly over the top and I, I heard an interview that he didn't even like this movie he didn't want to do it it was one of those like oh the studio is gonna make my, like let me direct a film if i do this so he doesn't even like the movie and yet he's the best <laughs> fucking part um yeah huge fan it, it's got some problems like any film out of the 90s about uh you know definitely hypersexualizing women it doesn't pass the Bechtel test unless you count two characters in a hallway not looking at each other saying one <laughs> sentence so I'm going to put this in the doesn't pass the Bechtel test category but um, still fucking great film highly recommend it's I man I'd go to the theater to see that even if it was releasing today it's so awesome fifth element boom what what number rating does it get oh four four this is I liked it and I think you will too four out of motherfucking four it's fantastic for I feel like the fifth element is that era's uh Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's one of those movies that's just not ever really gonna die. It's so weirdly entrenched and it, it, it's just like it, it fills this niche that nobody's ever gonna dislodge it from. So I think that's cool. I mean it just they don't quite make them like that like it's so i guess i was just rambling about how great it is but one of the best things about it is just how tight the editing and the script are there's there's definitely more than a few contrivances um there's definitely some stuff that happened for, for plot convenience but you know one of the things that movie was known for is the quick edits between characters where like they're kind of talking in context completing each other's sentences and it's just so much fun and they do it even more than i realized like we all know the classic uh exposition dialogue of like you know you know, where, you know, where are the stones? This case is empty. What do you mean empty? Empty. Is it not full? Like, and it's cutting back and forth between the heroes and the villains. We all know those kinds. But there's, they do it so many more times in the film that I even realized, like, uh, you know, when the, the priest is getting on the plane, like it cuts to one of Zorg's minions going, there's no way on that plane. It cuts to the priest climbing into the landing gear. I'm like, man, they, they are doing that, that editing trick consistently throughout the whole entire film. And it's just so tight and it's so much fun. And clearly everyone involved is having such a great time. Um, I don't know, it makes uh, God, it makes so many more modern movies just kind of feel a little less heartless, a little less fun, less, again, tight? I don't know. Okay, I'm rambling. <laughs> I also think it's one of those movies that, like, Bruce Willis does not care. <laughs> <laughs> and this one kind of leans into Bruce Willis not caring. But see, like, he, he does, though. He's doing that, that 
classic Bruce Willis performance, but he's not just stoic. Like, he laughs a bunch. <laughs> you can tell when he's infatuated with He's Lilu. a meat pops- popsicle. Yeah, right? So, like, even when he's deadpanning, uh, negative, I'm a meat popsicle. Like, there's there's some substance to the line. Um, no, I think Willis is fucking great, even though he is doing his deadpan character. He's still emoting enough to make it fucking work. I, I, I just fucking love the movie. Leaning into it. Yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, I, I think he's also playing the same character that got him famous, because, I mean, it, is, is it yeah. the equivalent Die Hard in space? Yeah, no, it, that's fair. Yeah. Again, it, it is Bruce Willis. It's just Bruce Willis when he still cared. Yeah. So, moving on. Zach, what else do you have to review? Um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I've seen really recently that's worth talking about, but I did hear something uh, <laughs> that made me laugh, and so I'll just talk about it now. Uh, Event Horizon is the best Warhammer 40k movie ever made. <laughs> and just sit with that for a second. Like, I don't know how much you guys know about the Warhammer 40k universe. It's, you know, grimdark fantasy. Um, you know, the Emperor of Mankind and all of the different, you know, chapters of Space Marines. I, I very much know what it is, and I know that it's the sci-fi spin-off of the Warhammer lore. And I know that it has about a billion video games and books and extended universe, mm-hmm. but I don't know shit about it. <laughs> so one of the core concepts in one of the, well, not concepts, one of the core things about how the 40K universe works is that uh, at some point, like after the unification of Earth under the Emperor of Mankind, there was this discovery of the warp. And this was a mechanism by which humanity and other species could uh, traverse the galaxy and uh, you know travel faster than light. The problem is the warp is not like a warp drive. It's another dimension, and there are denizens of that dimension that are not friendly. So you get the forces of chaos. They dwell in the warp. They attack ships traveling through this other dimension, and it's kind of like the Nether in Minecraft. You're still moving through normal-ish space. It just happens to be a different hellscape space. <laughs> so the I warp... I now see where you're going with this. <laughs> sounds an awful lot like what happened to the Event Horizon, where they traveled, quote-unquote, faster than light into a hell universe, and uh, or a hell dimension, and then came back broken, <laughs> con- corrupted by chaos. Um, you imagine this as being, like, the prequel to everything. Like, this is the first ship of humanity that interacts with the warp at all. And maybe it doesn't happen again for centuries, millennia even. But there's that neat idea that somehow, in, in some in some way, humanity and the forces of chaos are now kind of subconsciously aware of each other (laughs) and oh man that fits so well into 40k lore i love it so much i really really enjoy that headcanon uh never mind that event horizon is also just a really fantastic movie on its own uh one of my maybe my favorite at least my favorite sci-fi horror of all time um no 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 (laughs) that honor goes to the alien franchise by which i mean one of the only two movies in that franchise one and two (laughs) 
Eh. Eh, fuck you. Eh. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, somebody, I, I saw that posted somewhere. Uh, Event Horizon is the best Warhammer 40k movie. And just immediately, I, I almost went back and watched the whole thing again right then. Because, yes, it is. I don't know if you've seen many Warhammer 40k movies. Like, there are a few. Um, the fan-made stuff is so, so much better. Actually, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if what they produced you could really reasonably call a movie. So, maybe not? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Event Horizon is the best one, and I don't see how they could top it. Well, fair enough. Do you want a gritty, modern reboot of that film franchise? Oh, wait. Because it's already gritty yeah i don't know i'm bad at jokes tonight fuck y'all <laughs> we are hey sometimes you're on and sometimes you're off it happens doc wait i'm on sometimes that's great i'm trying to make a joke about i am home and i'm just <sighs> really back to you all right um so the other thing i saw pretty recently was the black phone um it has all the names of people that i like so um Directed by uh, Scott Derrickson. Um, this it's a short story that was originally by Joe Hill. So there's obviously some like Stephen Kingy type things in it. Um, Oops, sorry. Oops. Zach um, doesn't record. Then he does. Starts coughing into his mic. Thanks. <laughs> I'm usually pretty good about muting myself, but not that time. My no, bad. No worries. No worries. Right, really, oh, yeah, you so- were telling us about a horror movie. I'm never going to watch. Go ahead. <laughs> So, short short story by Joe Hill. I don't know if you like know it's he's son of Stephen King. So he like he has like some of the same kind of ideas and stuff. But uh, yeah, totally uh, up my alley. Um, kind of high level synopsis is there's this villain who is abducting children, and you're following uh, one of the child who was abducted the la- like I guess the latest one. Um, and the, uh, ghosts of the other abducted children are helping him escape. Um, kind of weird, kind of silly, kind of dark, uh, but definitely enjoyable. Uh, I think I'd, on my letterbox review was, uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Um, it was good. So probably not up y'all's alley, but I thought probably it was, not. it was, it was a good mix of like, um, cause I was talking to my wife about it. It's like, it's horror, but it still has like enough supernaturalish overtones to kind of like be interesting kind of like a, I wouldn't put it in like the um, conjuring area but kind of like a little bit of those vibes if you like those movies so I think this one would be a, a decent follow up so I so, give it a 4 a so 4 good. so yeah. not only do you like it you think the rest of it you know I hate horror and you still think I'm gonna like it I thought it was pretty good god damn son noise wow alright that's uh, that's that's high fucking praise right there well it also again my my goggles of like i'm going back to the movies again but also maybe i'm not going to the movies anymore again so it's this weird venn diagram of like this may be the last movie i've seen for a while <laughs> uh, god <laughs> wait bless I, I missed everything. why you're not going back to movies again we're talking about more waves i don't what, what am i missing here well yeah there's there's a chaos again possibly with more waves of things but that's uh, that's a whole other podcast so yep. glad I've started burying my head in sand recently. So nice. <laughs> so nice. Oh, man. I like so, sand. Uh, <laughs> no, I did not watch that movie again. Um, <laughs> all right. So I watched uh, one of the big summer blockbusters, the one I'm actually kind of shocked neither of you have seen. 
I saw Thor 4. I wonder what my review number is going to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, 4 Thor. Love and 4 Thor. Thor 4. 4 Lord Thor. Love and Thunder. Anyway, say that three times fast. Um, guys, this movie's fun. It's entertaining. It's good. Christian Bale's remarkably good. It's got some problems. It's like what, uh, Voldemort? Voldemort Part 2? Yeah, basically. He's really... <laughs> pretty good in the role the the backstory is simple but effective uh he's creepy that, that's one thing to say the art team in this movie is on top of their game not that marvel movies ever look bad but um the thor movies you kind of hope especially it's space vikings for god's sake you kind of hope they're gonna look good and ragnarok looked amazing this one also looks good uh lots of cool stuff going on the art's really neat the shadow monsters that specifically christian bale can summon are really well done and neat um Arguably, we don't get enough of them on screen, actually. So this, pro- this movie, though, so kind of taking a slight QQ review format here, um, like, my preconception was that it was going to lean too heavily into the comedy. Like, you know, like, oh, the four, Thor 3 was such a huge success, it must have been because it was funny. And so I was afraid they were going to lean in too heavily. And mm-hmm. I think they kind of did. Um, there's just so many scenes where it's like, guys, not every sentence in this scene needs to be a joke. Like, like there's a scene where he's finding slight spoilers, um, like Lady Sif, a character from like all three of the movies and a, a character from, you know, the comics. And he's finding her like dying on the ground. This was like, you know, a, a god has been murdered and she witnessed it. And you think this was supposed to be like a, a moment with gravitas, like establishing the stakes, establishing the drama. What's, you know, what's going to happen here in the movie? And instead they're making jokes about like, oh, she's like, leave me here to die. Well, no, you only go to Valhalla if you died in the battles. You won't go now. Oh, but your arm got ripped off. I guess your arm's in Valhalla. It's like, dude, you don't have to make jokes right now. It's okay. <laughs> um, so a little too much comedy, I, I think that takes it down. And the other thing, uh, kind of going with the theme of being overstuffed, is there's just too much stuff going on in the movie, and a big part of that is taking all the baggage from the MCU, but there's like two different kind of moments of exposition or dialogue at the front of the movie, where they have to like catch you up on what happened to all of Thor's family, and how they all died, and what happened to Thor, and how he got fat in Endgame, and how he's not anymore, and look at his love interest, Jane Foster, who wasn't there, but now she's back. And oh, here's this town for new Asgard, but wait, what happened to its hammer, and that's because his mom died. Like, So they just... Well, there's that a lot seems of stuff. such an odd choice for a, uh, a set of films that kind of relishes in the you saw 20 other movies before this. Why would they spend any time doing any of that? Yeah, and that's so. Yeah, it it has some problems, but it is still fun. It, again, it has too many jokes, but it is still funny. And it's got some pacing problems, but it actually I think it smooths out the further it goes, and it's still entertaining. So, um, I, one of the things that's like really weird to me is hearing apparently on the internet this is being you know, and everything has to be as divisive as fuck, right? But like a lot of people saying this is the worst Thor movie, one of the worst. That like no, not even <laughs> remotely the worst Thor movie, let alone the worst MCU movie. This movie's fucking fine. It's not Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok was better, in my opinion. But, like, it's a fun movie. It's got some flaws. It's got some problems. It's still a lot of fun. I, I haven't seen any Marvel content since Endgame, and I'd still tell you to go see it. Um, so there you go, gentlemen. I'm going to give it a three. Three out of four. I liked it. Three. You might not. That's okay. Three out of four for Thor 4. I, I have okay, some... Okay, won't ramble anymore. I have some spoilerly questions. I hear Zach's um, going to snore. Because <laughs> I'm such a um, bore. Was there any connection to multiverse at all, or is that over? Because I think um, that was one of the things that kind of made me not interested in it. I'm like, it's like I guess the multiverse thing is kind of over. That's that was a thing, and it's it's done. Bye. 
Uh, I don't know, because I didn't see WandaVision, I didn't see Spider-Man No Way Home, and I didn't see Multiverse of Madness. So if there were references, I wasn't noticing them, but they certainly weren't overt. There was nothing, again, in any of the exposition segments yeah. that was like, and well, then there was another uh, Thor that appeared out of the multiverse. But that's okay, because our Thor smacked that Thor back into his singleverse, making him single, like Jane Foster. Okay, look, that was a pretty good Taika Waititi. You're, 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 you're selling me on just not watching this movie even more oh, fuck, now. I'm failing, I'm failing miserably. Well, like, um, I mean, we all saw the the trailers with um, with Lady Thor, right? That wasn't a yeah. multiverse hook. No, no, she's in it, and it's that's nothing to do with the multiverse. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I guess the multiverse is done. They fixed I guess it. So. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I guess. Um, Usually this, the, the post-credit scenes aren't any good, but was there anything that got you hyped from the post-credit scenes? You know, I'm just going to go look it up right now. Do you, want me to tell you what the two, do you want me to tell you what they were? Because we don't care about spoilers on this podcast. I just don't want to spoil it for you. I mean, I'm going to look it up right now if you don't tell me. Okay, so you guys know, obviously, they go to the Greek pantheon and that Russell Crowe is Zeus. Um, yeah, again, yes, I saw some is, images of that. It point, is very yeah. entertaining. There's a lot of great visual gags russell crowe is just chewing the scenery quite hilariously it's a little over the top it's a little too much for me but it's still very very funny the post-credit scene is him complaining about how like thor should have killed him but sort of kind of killed him but didn't um so he's complaining to his son hercules and so it's introducing hercules to the mcu so i honestly i didn't even get it i'm like yeah i know i know zeus has a son i don't I don't understand why this is a big deal. I Honestly, I didn't quite get it, um, but that's that. And then the other teaser is, again, well, this is a big spoiler. Do you want a spoiler for the movie? Because I can give you the post the post teaser if you really want. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm slowly skimming the things. Just just tell me. I, I'm, I'm, unless Zach doesn't want to hear it. Zach? Oh, no, I'm good. Let's go. So Jane, Jane Foster dies at the end of the movie. And so the post credit scene is her showing up in Valhalla being greeted by Heimdall, played by, of course, Idris Elba. So neither of them got me particularly hyped. They're fine. Nice. That's it? Just people, that's it? That, that, that seems very un, unexciting. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of one of the complaints I've seen online. Again, I'm not heavily invested in the MCU specifically at this point. Still fun. Still great. I'm not bitching. Um, just not invested right now. And one of the things people have been complaining about, which I can kind of get, is people saying, like, they don't feel like phase, is this four or five? Um, they don't feel like there's, like, a very overt, like, objective. Like, where where is this going? Right? Like, everything was always building up to Thanos and the Infinity Stones ever mm-hmm. since the first teaser of, of him on screen. Um, yeah. So we kind of knew where it was going. And I don't think anyone really fully knows where it's going. I certainly assume... That, you know, Disney and Marvel and Kevin Feige have a plan. But, um, again, having not watched all the stuff, I could uh, totally understand that some people feel like there's not uh, yeah. a, an obvious goal or endpoint or objective, whatever you want to call it right now. Yeah, it's, it's so I weird because I feel like, like a majority of the Thor movies are ones you can skip. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but yeah. Well, I mean, most of the standalone films, except... Um, basically all the standalone films, except for uh, Captain America, uh, Captain America's 2 and 3, sorry, are effectively skippable. Like, they're not required. You don't have to have watched Iron Man's 2 or 3 in order to get what's going on in Avengers movies. 
You don't have to have seen Black Widow. You don't have to have seen uh, Hulk or Thor 1, 2, or 3. They're all more or less standalone, which I, I think is a strength. Yeah. Well, I, I do think, like, the the films right now are a victim of the TV shows. Because, like, did did y'all see either Lo- Loki or WandaVision? Did we uh, see I those? Not. I don't yes. remember. What was that, Zach? Yes and yes. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I really, really like those both of those shows. And it really felt like they were both kind of going to, like, bigger picture stuff. And then the movies just kind of are like, oh, these things happen. Whatever. Not a big deal. So, I don't know. So... There were there were allusions to Kang, Krang, Kang in uh, Multiverse of Madness, and having not seen the Thor movie, I can't say whether or not there were there as well. Um, but that that does kind of seem like the next big MCU get them all get all the gang together villain. Um, like I think there was even a Kang reference in Moon Knight. Uh, so oh, Moon Knight is so not on my radar. Neither is Miss Marvel. Uh, you know, I watched the first episode, and we haven't kept, we haven't continued yet. Partly because it's airing every week, and we want to binge it, but also traveling and stuff. Um, Moon Knight is worth your time, though. Like that's just a good show. Um, uh, even if it wasn't a Marvel universe thing it's Mm -hmm. it stands on its own really really well oscar isaac is fantastic um so yeah (laughs) i i I think it's gonna be kang time stuff sounds fun i don't know well uh we spent a lot of time on the marvel universe there zach back to you anything else you want to review mystics let's do one more pass here one more round um well i mean i saw moon knight let's see I could have sworn there was something else that I saw um, recently, but I'm struggling to remember exactly what it was. I'm going to have to go back into my Netflix queues and QQ about it. <laughs> no Star Trek, no... That's what it was. Oh my god. <laughs> Star Trek? Yes. Oh have god, you Zach. Have you been watching the new episodes of Strange New Worlds as they come out? Uh, I have not, but I have heard nothing but great things. I've seen multiple reviews go up saying it's the best, the best Trek in uh, decades. It's certainly the best of the new Trek. I really like the podcast Transporter Room 3, and one of the guys on that, Scott Calora, is a writer for IGN. He put up 10 out of 10 masterpiece. Um, I I hear nothing but great things. I need to watch, I need to watch Strange New Worlds. They just keep getting better. Like, I, I don't know. I'm watching it just as they release because I can't help myself. Um, there should be a new one available right now. So I'm probably going to go do that after this. But, like, um, episode 8? Like, I teared up. It was really, really good. And I'm not going to say anything else besides that. Damn. Yeah. Really? Uh, Does this make you want to watch Star Trek? I mean, I will eventually. It sounds more interesting than Thor, I can tell you that. Yeah. Now it's it's a very very good show so far. Um, I don't know. I feel like they really grew the beard after episode one. Uh, like right at the end of episode one was when everything felt like it was clicking really really well, and then from that point forward, it's just been grooving better and better uh, the whole way through. So I'm very very pleased with how it's turning out, and I. I mean, they've got a 
they they've got a time frame, like a window of, of the in-universe like setting that they can they can play with a small ten-year slice. So it's I think nice that they have those bounds to to play in. It gives the whole show a little a little bit more definition into the like role of the characters and the stakes that they're playing in. Um, and that allows them to have a lot of fun. So it's it's very, very good. It's I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, I have no excuse. I need to watch it. That's, that's, and that is the top of my queue. If I was going to sit down and watch a television show right now, it would be Strange New Worlds. So, Yep, do it. Do it. Oh, also, um, just because it's pluggable, uh, I saw a thing that says um, Lower Decks new season august 25th so a little more than a month from now oh wow cool is that season three lower decks i think so i'm gonna have to double check but it is it is so bizarre i had to explain to someone at lunch the other day that there are five active star trek series right now that's absurd are you even including the nickelodeon one is that on right now that's what i'm including because we have uh, it all started with star trek discovery and then we got Star Trek Picard. And then we got uh, Lower Decks. We have Star Trek Prodigy, which is the one that you're referring to, really. And now Strange New Worlds. Five active Star Trek properties at once. It's absurd. Um, even as a fan of the franchise, and although uh, lukewarm on the current generation of shows, that's, that's just too much. That's just too much. I don't need five franchises we've talked about this with with uh or five things in a franchise we talked about this with star wars too many movies too many shows i just want to watch mando let leave me alone <laughs> i watched prodigy by the way uh from what i read online it was well received and actually says that it, it kind of spends more time in the star trek lore specifically voyager than like the other shows uh what did you think of it uh actually a lot of fun i mean it's aimed at kids right like it's a nickelodeon show and i think it does target that audience really well but like it's it's still very much star trek like it's star trek with uh you know cartoon characters which is totally fine i don't know i i I thought it was it was a pretty good representation i don't know why star trek seems to do so well in animation especially considering the early animation um but yeah no the the, these new animated shows, Lower Decks and Prodigy, which are very differently toned, uh, <laughs> both both do really well with this uh, this franchise. So, well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what Ruli is thinking real quick. All right, Zach, you said you don't know why you know Star Trek does so well with uh, you know cartoon characters, and I'm sure Ruli party was like, wait, they're not all cartoon characters? That that can't be old '60s sci-fi show. Um, Yes, Star Trek has always been campy and corny, and uh, maybe they're embracing oh, I, their roots. But no, I, I, think... I don't mind campy and corny. That is, that is <laughs> definitely not a problem. Um, you know, Zach, we've talked about it before, and we don't have. I, I don't want to put really to sleep, but like we talked about it before, like one of the nice things about Star Trek and animation was always that that concept, that promise of like, hey, we can't do all these super crazy things. Uh, in live action, because they're expensive as fuck. It's hard to make all these alien races and these spaceships blowing up. And so the potential for animation was always super high. And that's one of the, I would say, few things that the, you know, original animated series did actually do pretty well. Uh, episodes where the characters grow and shrink and putting an alien on the bridge at, like, was it Sulu or Chekhov's station at all times? Like, 
mm-hmm. could do that. And now, in you know, with modern animation budgets, they can really fucking do that. Um, so I think the concept was always a solid one. I think now they can just execute on it. So, so out of curiosity, sure. is that used better in lower decks, or it was Prodigy, or what was the other one called? Prodigy. Um, I mean, they're so different. Um, honestly, the point stands for both of them, but I have a counterpoint, and that is Strange New Worlds. The effects are amazing, and there's lots of them. <laughs> well, I want to watch it. I will fucking, get around to it at some point. Fucking do it. But I'm the um, working on it. The gap between what you can do with animation and what is being done in live action with these new generation shows is very rapidly shrinking. Hmm. Um, and like, I, I remember just being so gobsmacked in one of the more recent episodes, especially by just like, they have these little aliens and they're just so good looking and horrifying. Uh, but like the budget that it takes to put that together for just like an episode of a TV show Damn. I guess it is kind of true. We, we could do some homework into, I mean, like, I forget what the budget is of a single episode of Stranger Things. It's several million dollars, which is absurdly expensive, like maybe 30 million per episode or something. Right. Um, but, like, the budget of an animated TV show, I know it, it took, like, over a million dollars to make one episode of Futurama. So you're probably right about the gap closing. I think there's still probably some relativity there based on what they're trying to achieve in live action. But, um I guess you're right. I guess the gap is closing, although I'm not a yeah. fucking television producer. Well, and part of it is, yeah, you're right. Star Trek has always been a little bit campy, and I think animation plays to that better, uh, or at least more naturally. But I've also been real, real spoiled by a lot of the Picard era stuff and like the real uh, heavy hitter episodes of DS9 there's way more room than just camp in Star Trek. And oh, God, yes. kind of goes without saying, so it's not like I'm, I'm making a big point there. It's just that the expectations shifted over time, right? If you, if you were coming into Strange New Worlds after having only ever watched the original series, you would be like, of course that's Star Trek. What else would it be? But then you'd also be looking at it like, holy shit, it's Star Trek that makes me think. And we've had that before. So it's not a surprise to us. I don't know. Oh, it's, it's a franchise that can do all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. Arguably, one of the few things Star Trek has done really pretty crappily over the years is comedy. They've had some wonderful moments, but there were like 500 hours of television prior to the to New Trek. It was not great. Mm-hmm. And then we got Lower Decks, and it fucking aced comedy. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Star Trek, is there anything it can't do? Oh, I know. Entertain Raul. <laughs> i'll watch yeah. it eventually it's it's there's so many things so yeah. many good things to watch like let Pers- me ask you a question did you all see stranger things yet yes nope oh wow wow wait really did you yeah didn't i talk about it last podcast oh yeah 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 you did yeah my memory sucks oh wait um they did a a, a season split thing did the second mm-hmm. half of whatever it was drop yeah it dropped already Okay, great. Yeah, and Roll Roll had to explain to me that the second half of the drop was basically like two feature-length film episodes. Yeah. It was a lot. Well, that's excellent. I know what I'm doing when my wife comes home. Well, ain't that so romantic. All right, Ruli, thank you so much for letting Zach and I talk about 
talk about Star Trek. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no, so sorry. It, it's it is something I want to dip my toes in a little bit more. But like I always, it's it's like even even when you're talking about now, like there's five shows now. Like are they connected? Like does does it matter where I start? Do I need to know anything? Honestly, um, no, not really. No. Like there's a little bit of linkage between Discovery and Strange New Worlds, but you honestly don't need it. Yeah. Um, there's not quite enough of an explanation at the beginning of Strange New Worlds to get it right away, but it becomes pretty apparent what's going on as you go through a couple of episodes, and mm-hmm. it's not important. It's like, only for one character, right? Yeah, it's for one character, yeah. but it's not it's not a thing that crops up super often or like as a recurring every single episode advancing a plot sort of device it's just Mm -hmm. kind of background information so yeah cool so i um and then lower decks needs nothing if you like trick and morty you'll like that okay so i went to twitter to to see if i talked about anything that i've seen recently which is a no but this this is what it's very timely uh, so let me, let me, I'll, I'll read this tweet to y'all, and y'all tell me your reaction. Uh, the Orville continues to be a better Star Trek than Star Trek uh, for many reasons. Blah, 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 blah. Holy well, cow, like this show track. is so good. I like Star Trek. Track, right? You gotta whatever, get it right. Whatever, whatever. But have, have you seen the Orville? And like, is like, what do y'all... Is that you know, preposterous, or have you even seen the show at all? You know, until Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds, I would have agreed. Like, it's got a lot of the charm of Star Trek that Discovery didn't have. Um, and I liked the Discovery for its own, for being its own thing, but it's it's very different, and I can understand why a lot of people don't. Um, I don't know how true that's going to continue to be, because like we're getting a new season of The Orville in, you know, this year, I think? Maybe? Early next year? Uh, it's coming, and it's been a long gap since the last season. Um... But, like, the Orville itself is a good show, too. I mean, you have to put up with Seth MacFarlane. But other than that, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good Star Trek show, and it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they achieved their objectives. Yeah, I only saw one episode. I did kind of like it. One of my uh, friends in this area who is a Star Trek fan um, and has watched all the above, really enjoys the Orville and says that, yeah, if you like old school 90s, not that old school at this point, medium school uh, 90s Star Trek, that the Orville, like Zach said, was a better successor to that era of shows than a lot of the new Trek. And now, one of the reasons I'm excited is, as Zach also said, like, Lower Decks, uh, very sequel to the 90s, and Strange New Worlds seems to be picking up that mantle. So, um, yeah, I've heard good things, but I just, like so many other things, I haven't watched it because I'm terrible. <laughs> Well, I mean, at least it's good that everything's positive and good. So that's yeah. that's that's a uh, nice news to hear. There's a lot of content out there, and that's I don't think that's ever really a bad thing until it gets to be like overload, and then it becomes a chore to sort. Wait, until it, it gets to be good. overload, we've 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 been at overload like five years ago. <laughs> I mean, just just in the Star Trek space, like. Yeah, I could see it maybe being overwhelming if you're real, real busy, or if you get like one hour a week to watch something. But it's fucking overwhelming. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, I personally really like that I have new Star Trek pretty much year round at this point because that hasn't been true for decades, um, maybe ever. So I'm I'm not complaining <laughs> at all. <laughs> Paramount can keep my money. <laughs> All right, uh, Ruli, was that 
was that your wrap up was to ask us about the Orville or is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, I haven't seen anything else. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that I saw two fairly recent movies and oh, I mean, Stranger Things as well. I think, well, if you want to get into that later, because I know I talked about it a little bit more in the last podcast. I don't want to kind of dig into that one because that, that one's good without the spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll uh, you wrap know, us up. You know, I, you know, I, uh, go I'll go for a random, random news thing. And I think this actually, it's a good segue from the, uh, Wait, the Star on, Wars thing. We're going to get to the news. We're going to get to the news. One oh, second. We're gonna do, okay, so I'll, I won't do news then. I won't do this. Gee, this whiz. is the reviews. Do I, don't, I don't know how formats work. How do formats Everybody even work? Everybody put it down. News is at the back. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to wrap this up real quick by just pointing, giving a little uh, nod to... Um, a game, Zach, you should really check this out, called The Outer Wilds. Not The Outer Worlds, The Outer yep. Wilds. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Have you played it? Yes. All yes, the way through? very good. Not all the way through, no. I had to abandon it because I was traveling, but yes. It is a very... I don't know really unique. how to describe it. You just have to play it. Yeah. Unique, sci-fi, story, narrative-driven, like Newtonian physics game, exploration game. So unique. So cool. Um, some of my friends consider it to be their favorite game, but one, it's one of those games that once you've played it, you can't play it again because you know the story, everything, you know how everything works. And so I've been their entertainment. So like this, I, this is two nights now where I've gone over to their place and like had four of them sit and watch me play the game for plural hours. Like I'm their private Twitch stream effectively. <laughs> um, is it Outer so, Wilds? The Outer Wilds. Um, okay. it's on like every other console, PC, Xbox, PS4, and it's, or PS, and it's coming to Switch later this year too um, late so huge shout out to the outer wilds you can play it on your your steam deck uh yes i haven't i'm not at all through it yet but uh i've done two big long ass sessions of it and really cool really cool kind of difficult for me because open open world exploration is a little more tough for me personally but really cool fucking game so okay 20, 2019 say again is this this game called in 2019 yeah sounds about right one? okay so, uh, yeah, go check it out. All right, Bruley, now we can get to the news. Go f*** yourself, San Diego. Oh, okay. Um, web-, web telescope pictures. Have you all seen these? I mean, just the ones that are floating around the front page of the, the interwebs. But uh, yeah. what one do you want to call, to call specifically? And any of them. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like, totally cool and amazing but also like just a bunch of polka dots and everywhere like I, I get the scientific achievement it is incredible but also it's like we're just tiny ants in the universe that's all oh it's yeah pretty cool. no those have made me feel so fucking small my favorite one is the one where it looks like there are little like smudges in a circle have you seen you know the one i'm talking about no which one is that one uh it was i think the first one that they released um i'm gonna have to see if i can find it for you guys because you really need the visual to go along with it um uh, let's see if I can find do 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 fuck off. Was it the Southern Ring Nebula? Well, there's that one, but no. Um Oh, here we go. The Let the Karina Nebula see. one is pretty cool. Here, I'm just gonna paste this into the Slack channel. www.nasa.gov <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now I'm not putting it into Mumble, but in Slack. Um, oh, so, so much better. I get that on my phone. Thank you. Yeah, so look at this picture. It looks like garbage. Um, and you can kind of see that there's like those little red 
smudgy bits that are kind of making a ring near-ish the center of that that whole image. Um, Let me guess, those is... aren't smudges, those are actually the way the star constellations are formed. No. Damn. Um, they, kind of, they kind of are smudges, God but the reason... The reason that it looks like this, and the reason this is my favorite picture, is because uh, what you're seeing, the reason that those those galaxies are all like distorted that way, is we're looking at a galaxy cluster that is really, really fucking far away, and it is acting as a lens by gravitationally bending light around it that is further away than we have ever seen before. So you notice how all of those smudgy bits are red? Mm-hmm. That's redshift. They're moving away from us like at relativistic speeds and oh, even in infrared and color corrected those galaxies are real close to being the first ones ever formed Interesting. like 13 okay. and a half billion years wow. into the past i love this picture so much that's uh man i'm gonna gonna tear up zach thank you for being a nerd i love it i have nothing to add i mean there are some other really great ones too like my favorite thing has been there's people that have made the um comparison images uh between what hubble took and what james webb has taken and you can yeah, just those, like the, i think those are the impressive i think those like w- seeing those was really kind of what gave me the uh, sense of like oh crap this is this is like light years pun intended ahead yeah. of the everything yeah this is this is the the real distinguisher between our old fuzzy still really cool resolution and what we're getting the detail that we're getting now uh, is just fucking fantastic. There's that, um, what was it? Something cliffs, looks like cliffs, that uh, that they had up. Oh, man, did I kill it? I did. Killed totally it? Totally did. Well, um, let's see. I'm going to see if I can find the companion image for this as well, but I'm going to send you this one. So this guy, if it'll upload... Um, the picture that James Webb took. There's another corresponding picture that uh, that Hubble took, and this one is like light years more detailed. Um, but let's see. Is that some kind of pun? Light years. Do, 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 do. Uh, uh, oh no! I guess none of us have seen the Buzz Lightyear movie. Yeah. He's it rolls a dad. He might go see that. Maybe I would see it. Good. Like it looks like fun to me. I'm trying to get the name of the nebula that this picture comes from because the nebula itself oh it's the Carina nebula yeah, yeah. there we go yeah. so let me see if i can find a picture of the whole thing uh with enough contrast to make it work uh this will do so um Here's a Carina Nebula. It's already super fucking far away. And the uh, the cliffs, like, if you try to find the image that James Webb took of this nebula, it's really difficult. Um, if you blow this thing up, and maybe you can zoom in on it. This might not be high-res enough. Um, there's a little nubbin poking out the top right side of this thing. And it's like a, a little ball kind of hanging off the top right side. The cliffs are on the right edge of that ball. And those cliffs that we're looking at, like that image is something like seven light years across. And then you look at the whole nebula. Seven light years is that tiny little spot in the top right corner. I don't want to remove the gravitas from this image, but um, 
you know, I gotta say, looking at the thumbnail, this doesn't seem like a work-appropriate image. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it's it's insane the amount of detail that we can get out of James Webb um, and how far back we're looking. Just incredible. I did like the meme of uh, James Webb's such a pervert. He's trying to look at the universe when it was younger and hotter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, all it, it, most of the images that we're getting are color corrected, right? Because this is an infrared telescope. So that's partly how it's able to get a lot of this data is because it can see the infrared through a lot of the uh, like dust and things that occlude your regular visual spectrum. Uh, but also those lengths being longer, they just, you capture more. And I don't know if you heard anything about like how it's capturing these images, but it's like on the order of photons per hour, like individual photons per hour that it's, that it's grabbing through this giant mirror system. So just incredible technology. Well, I don't know how to go out on a higher note than that. Really, do you even want to try or... That was my story. <laughs> well, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. So, yeah. On that new dear listener, thank you really so cool. very much for joining <laughs> Ruli and his story. Thanks, Zach, for narrating. But thank you, Ruli. Well, I, I always trust Zach to back me up on all the science stuff. I just need to be aware of what's going on, and Zach knows all the cool parts. I, I just, I man, I love, you guys are nerds, and I fucking love it so goddamn much. <laughs> Oh, my friend, some of my friends here think I'm a nerd. Man, I love you guys. <laughs> All right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back next week, and um, maybe we'll have a real QQ topic instead of a round the table. None of us watch the same shit QQ topic. Well, what should I watch, or what should you watch? Are we giving ourselves homework? Because if we were, the answer would be Strange New Worlds. Da 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 da. da. I I'm, I will try to watch an episode. Try to watch the first one. Oh, what? Shit, now I gotta watch that. Fuck. God. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode is still really good. Oh, no, I hear it is. Anyway, anyway, anyway. All right. Zach Ruley, thanks again, guys. Thank you, Tom. Yay. And until next week, dear listener, QQ that redshift. Look, look at those pictures. It'll make you QQ. I... At this point, it's not even a running joke that the outros are bad. It's just, they're hard. How do you make a QQ? I don't know. Someone, anyone, help me. It's it's fun seeing you on the struggle bus, Tom. Yep. <laughs> See you next time in the QQ universe. See that. That would. <laughs> God damn it, you win. The QQ universe of madness. dear listener thank you so very much for joining us please always remember that any views expressed on the podcast should be taken in context and are representative solely of the person expressing them they are not representative of their friends and family their co-hosts their co-workers and certainly not of their employers past present or future so again thank you for joining us and thanks for respecting our individuality i just got bored everybody out